Welcome to Forward Thinking, a monthly podcast from the School of Philosophy, Psychology and Language Sciences, where once a month we talk to our academics about their cool research ideas and projects. My name's Jackie Thompson and today I'm talking to Dr Caroline Watt. Caroline's a senior lecturer in psychology here at Edinburgh and she's also a founder member of the Kersler Parapsychology Unit, also based at the uni. We're going to be talking about how the subject of parapsychology currently sits within academic research and Caroline's own research interests. We start the discussion off with the Kersler unit itself, which is totally unique in that it hosts the only endowed chair of parapsychology in the UK. It's also celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. I wonder if you could tell us about the unit, Caroline, and what makes it a valuable part of the psychology department? Well, we had an unusual start, so it all began with um, Arthur Kersler and his wife Cynthia Kersler, who sadly killed themselves in a suicide pact in 1983, but they left their entire estate to support the establishment of a parapsychology unit at a British university. And Kersler, although he was well known as an intellectual and a writer on, on political matters, also had a lifelong interest in the paranormal and in dualism, in mind-body um, issues. And Edinburgh University already had a researcher called John Belloff in the psychology department who was a friend of Kersler and who was a dualist and who was interested in parapsychology. So Edinburgh, because it was familiar with John Belloff's work, were happy to welcome the Kersler chair into the department here. Um, in terms of you know, the, the value of the subject, um, Surveys show that about 50% of the public report some kind of paranormal belief and about half of these think they've had some kind of paranormal experience. So these, although they're maybe unusual beliefs and experiences, they're not at all rare. So um, to, to me and to, to most parapsychologists, it's, it's kind of an obviously an interesting question. What lies behind these experiences? What's the consequences and the causes of these beliefs? And how did you get involved yourself? Well, unlike some parapsychologists, I've never had any experiences that I, I personally think are paranormal, um, so I wasn't driven from, from that angle. But I graduated from, actually it was St Andrews University, with a psychology degree just at the time the Kessler professorship was being announced and there was a lot of press interest. And as a psychologist, I was aware that people were having these, these experiences and I was just curious so I wrote to the incoming professor, Bob Morris, and I said, you know, you know, if you need an assistant, let me know. Interestingly enough, the Kessler Parapsychology Unit is actually celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. Has the approach changed over time? Has scientific or technology changed the way you study? I don't think there are any, any sort of parapsychology-specific changes, but there are changes and um, things like the now it's called the Research Excellence Framework, that have changed the way that researchers practice their, their, their research. There's more um, effort to publish in high-impact journals than there used to be. So there's more pressure to do that. And I think that um, atmosphere sometimes uh, can make researchers a little bit more conservative. Having said that, parapsychology obviously is an unusual area of research, so there, there's, and there's plenty of unanswered questions, so there's lots of experimentation to be done. What are, can you give us a couple of interesting results or experiments that have come out over the 30 years? That's like trying to pick a grain of sand out of a, mm-hmm. of a beach, but is there anything that stands out in your mind? Well, in fact, this, this past year, because it was our anniversary year, I've been looking back at the archives and, and, and actually created an online archive now of publications that have come out of the unit. But um, one of the areas that we've 
uh, done quite a few studies in is Gansfeld ESP research. So this is work that uses um, a mild sensory isolation procedure. And the idea of the experiment is that the sender tries to communicate mentally the content of the target to the receiver who's in the Gansfeld environment. And they describe out loud any thoughts and feelings and impressions that come into their mind. At the end of the session, there's a judging period where um, we judge the receiver's impressions against four possible targets, and we can work out from that what the chance expectation is. It's 25%. So what we've been doing in these experiments, and this is a, a body of research that, that goes beyond Edinburgh, it's, it's conducted all around the world, um, is comparing um, the obtained success rate with the chance success rate. And Edinburgh, we found our um, success rate is about 29-30%, um, which uh, might not sound like much, but it is a statistically significant effect. And it, it is the same uh, magnitude of effect as researchers have found around the world. So it's, it's too early to say that that's evidence for ESP. But it's carefully conducted research, and it certainly deserves to be taken seriously. When we look at the um, the whole database beyond Edinburgh, um, I think one of the issues is whether or not we're seeing all of the studies and what happens with the studies that have not been published. And I did a, I did a quick search and found um, only about 13 studies, um, unpublished studies, and they had a, a hit, rate, hit rate that was much closer to chance. So what that means is that there's a problem with a publication bias in this literature. So the, the published studies are not telling us the whole picture. To deal with that problem, um, in 2012 I set up a study registry. Um, again, this can be seen on our website. This allows researchers to deposit the plans, plans for a study publicly before the work's actually conducted. And that will deal with the issue of publication bias because whatever the study found, people will know that the study's been conducted. You seem to be sort of broadening the interest to outside academia in a way. So you've got the website and people can go and look at studies. And I know that people are really interested in this subject, even if they don't believe in it. You recently have brought some of the work of the unit to the public in an Edinburgh Fringe show, which was called Unbelievable, the Science of the Paranormal. What did you actually bring to the public and how did it go down? <clears throat> Well, this, this was a collaboration with Professor Richard Wiseman and um, we wanted to do something to celebrate the anniversary of the unit and to make a bit more of a noise about parapsychology because it's a subject that has a lot of baggage and people have a lot of misconceptions helped by things like Ghostbusters, the movie. And, <laughs> and it was an interactive talk. People come in and it's a relatively small group of 40 people and they're all given a packet of materials to work with. And I take them through um, partly demonstrations to show the psychology behind psychic experiences. So what psychological factors might lead you to think you've had a paranormal experience and also then show people how parapsychologists conduct controlled tests in the laboratory and I lead people through a couple of tests. They, they get to do things like um, practice being a, a fake psychic by moving a pen through the power, apparently, of their mind. So it, it's a lot of fun, but there's a serious underlying message, and that is that um, we've got to be very careful in how we conduct this research, 
And uh, when we're, we're doing this uh, at the Cursor Unit, we're, we're doing carefully controlled scientific research. Did you find people were very interested in it? Even if they didn't believe in it, were they still...? Um, yes, so there was, there was a, a huge public hunger for this. And I'm, I'm quite passionate. I really enjoyed putting this on. Unlike many subjects, parapsychology is a subject about which everyone has an opinion. And a lot of people have had personal experiences if they haven't personally had an experience they think is paranormal, they probably know someone who has a family member or a friend. So it's an area where there's a, a huge potential for public communication and public engagement. And not, not only to help people think critically about their experiences, but also to communicate um, how to do research and how, how to... Um, what, what normal factors need to be controlled for if you want to actually assess whether or not there really is anything paranormal going on. So Caroline, can you tell us about the sort of research that you do personally? Well, the last few years I've, I was very fortunate to win the Perrot Warwick Research Fellowship, so I had a sort of dedicated programme of research and support for that, which was looking at precognitive dreaming and your dreams predicted the future. The work looked at both sides of the story. So some of the studies that we did looked at the psychology behind these experiences. So for example, we looked at uh, memory bias and we found that people are much more likely to remember dreams that seem to come true than the dreams that don't come true. And we have so many dreams that just by chance, every now and then, life events will tend to resemble a dream. Um, And we've also um, looked at what happens when you do a controlled test in the lab where you actually see whether someone can dream about a a randomly selected future event. When we did that, so that's testing the paranormal hypothesis, we were not able to find evidence in support of dream precognition. So what our our research programme seemed to say is that we, we certainly found various psychological factors that would inflate the likelihood of, of you thinking that you'd had a precognitive experience. But when we removed these factors and went into the lab, we didn't find evidence, which suggests that in the real world, many people's precognitive dream experiences may be due to these psychological factors operating. On a similar note to that, uh, whether we believe in the paranormal or not, our attitudes to it tell us a lot about human nature and what have you seen that's really interesting about human nature in Mm -hmm. relation to the paranormal? Well, it's clear that some people have a a need to believe in the paranormal and we have done some research into this and following up, it's not not just us, but building on other people's research. And for some individuals, um, there seems to be a connection between a a need for control over over the environment and paranormal beliefs. So, for example, um, superstitious beliefs um, are more prevalent in cultures where people are living in some kind of risk or dangerous environment. Um, And the superstitious belief, for example, making an offering to a god or, or going through various rituals, doesn't actually change the likelihood of a volcano exploding, but it makes you feel better. So um, in many cases, paranormal beliefs, I think, give a, a feeling of control and, and a sense of comfort. It's, it's illusory, but um, that, I think, is the psycho- psychological function that's served by these beliefs. Um, we've done some research ourselves into this, looking at childhood experiences. And um, what we found was that if you've had a childhood that's Um, characterised by a lack of control. So, for example, um, parents divorcing, having a 
having to move house many times or living in a very large household where it's difficult to get noticed, um, then um, you're more likely to develop paranormal beliefs. So we think, and this is not the case for everybody, but we think that uh, for some people, um, believing that you can predict the future, believing that you can read people's minds, that gives a sense of control over an otherwise uncontrolled environment. I mean, given what you've just said, do you think that people believe in psychic abilities and um, in the paranormal more than they actually admit to? So they might say, oh no, I don't, I, what rubbish, but then they won't walk under a ladder or... or Yes, there there is some research on that, that um, if you just ask people, you know, are you superstitious, Um, they're likely to say, oh, no, no, not at all. But if you put them in a situation where, um, you know, they they break a mirror, ask them to break a mirror or ask them to walk under a ladder, um, you'll find that they'll avoid doing it. So um, there's a difference between how people act and what they say when they're they're asked. And that's probably because in um, in our particular culture, it's not generally seen as a, a kind of good thing to believe in the paranormal. I think there's a little bit of a taboo associated with it. It's not quite the case for religious beliefs, although that's even that is changing. Uh, religious be- beliefs are a form of paranormal belief, believing in you, know, you can pray for something and it will happen, um, or you know miracles, religious miracles, divine beings. These are all paranormal beliefs. But I think that that, you know, that atheism is is getting a, a louder voice now and um, I think there's more popular questioning over religious beliefs now than there used to be. So even that, maybe people are less likely to admit to now. So, last question. Um, I'm just wondering about your plans for the future. So this year, um, I've been taking stock uh, of you know what we've achieved at the Custard Unit and what would be uh, good lines of work to um, pursue in future. And there's two sort of directions. So in terms of research, uh, there's one particular group of studies that uh, we called them remote helping studies, which where one person attempted to remotely help somebody else do a, a meditation task. The results have been quite intriguing, so I think that, that will be an area for future direction. And the other thing is doing the unbelievable signs of the paranormal workshop has been a really interesting experience. Every performance that I've done of it has, has been um, fully booked. So um, there's obviously a huge public appetite and the Kessler unit is such a unique research unit. There is nothing like it in the country. So we're in a really strong position. We're university-based. We have an authoritative voice. And so I would like to develop that somehow. I'm not quite sure how yet, but I'd like to um, develop that so that we can have more members of the public having uh, personal experiences um, with our help, showing them the psychology behind the paranormal and also um, what parapsychologists actually do. It's been so interesting to talk to you today, Caroline, and I wish you every luck for the future. Thank you very much. So a big thank you to Dr Caroline Watt for talking to us today on such a cool topic. If you want to find out more about the Kersler Parapsychology Unit and Caroline's work, you'll find the relevant links at the Forward Thinking blog. And if you want to hear more podcasts like this one, you can subscribe either to the blog or on iTunes. 